I'm Taffer. And I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands that we occupy are not our own, and when we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land that you live on and the Indigenous communities of the area. So as you know, if you tuned into our last episode, and if you didn't, why didn't you go tune into our last gosh dang episode? We are spending November reading books by Indigenous authors, um, which is something we've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm really excited about it. I mean, we have read books by Indigenous authors before, but we haven't dedicated a month to it. In the U.S., this is Native Peoples Month. It's not here, but we know a lot of you are there, so... uh... Yeah, so this week we uh, took on Son of a Trickster by Eden Robinson, uh, which was an interesting read. Um, So it's the story of, uh, uh, what's his name again? Jared, (laughs) a young boy who lives on the West Coast uh, with his family, um, who's growing up in uh, some pretty, shall we say unsavory circumstances this came out in 2017 okay we can we can spoil some of it so yeah so jared is being raised by his mom who who struggles um and she has a poor choice in partners let's just say that um and uh jared's own way of coping is you know drugs alcohol um and through those he has sort of starts to discover some interesting um, magical aspects of himself and this is the first of a trilogy of books which is re yes me too i see tepper's face and i am here with you so this is the first of a trilogy and if you don't know it when you jump into the book it definitely changes the way that you approach it yeah, I one of the things I was going to say with this book was that it feels like it needs to have a sequel, and I don't think there's a sequel. But knowing that it's a trilogy, but the the second book is it off? Is it out yet? Trickster is it um, Trickster Drift? Nope, it is. It is Trickster Drift. I look forward to reading it, but we'll get into all of that. Uh, it no, it it is out. Uh, it came out in 2019. Oh, there you go. So, sorry. <laughs> this book, this book, like if for people who know Canlit, this book is known. It's it's made yeah. waves in Canlit. Eden Robinson is an established author. Uh, this was sh- uh, a finalist for the Giller Prize. It was a selection, uh, twenty twenty selection Canada Reads by CBC, and it's also been made into a uh, television series by CBC, Kay. which I am looking yes. forward to watching. I've Same. heard it's fantastic. Am... It's like it's like completely indigenous run, which is how it should be. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And CBC does good work. 
They do. And I think that there's something, okay, so there's something really exciting about being able to see the universe that this was created in. You know, while while Jared and his mom live on a reservation, um, a lot of this stuff happens in his head. Mm-hmm. And his head's kind of a magical place. And that's really the part that I'm excited to see because there is something, there. it's a, it's a staunch contrast between you know the the bareness and and the lack of you know i think when you think of like residential era, like you know you think of a reservation and you're not thinking of uh you know the, the the kindest and most lovely amenities let's just put it that way right um another way of saying it would be to say that uh perhaps some of us have uh, forgotten the importance of respecting the people uh, whose land we are lucky enough to live on um so there's a contrast between that you know the reservation which is like gritty a little bit and then the rich world of the of nature that inhabits Jarrett. i think that's going to be a really great thing to see visually absolutely yeah i'm very excited to see it um turned into or interpreted visually um before we really get into kind of discussion and plot of the book when I found this book. I was hesitant to put it on our, our lineup only because I don't know that it's Strictly YA. And I figured we have read not Strictly YA books before, so we figured we could read it. It's, you know, big enough in the literary world to read it anyway. And then we'd see. And having finished it, I'm still not sure if I would call it YA. Like, I for the first half of the book... I was like, no, 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 I don't think this is YA. I think this is adult lit that's written with a teenage protagonist. And by the end of the book, I was like, I, I, I could be convinced. I could believe this. I would say it is probably not, it is, it is not a book for younger teens. I think this is a book for like 15 and up because it's very sad and because it's also very graphic at times, very violent at times. Uh, and there's drug use and, you know, profanity and all of that. So if you have children you want to shelter from any of that, that's just a thing to know about it. But at the same time, I could not help thinking for kids who do live like Jared. Jared finishes his sophomore year of high school, his grade 10 during this book. For kids who do live in this environment, it's really wonderful to see a book that's written this way and that you know I think we can talk a lot about can lit so I like I did my degree in English lit right in Canada right and and can lit is bleak and one of the reasons I kind of stopped studying can lit is that everybody is like what makes literature Canadian I know it's super fucking depressing that's what makes literature Canadian everybody dies and is depressed and again for the first half of this book I felt that it was suffering from bleak can lit itis yes um I am with you on that um I think yeah I have big feelings about about Ken Lit. it's just slow and I think that there's something about feeling winter feeling the slowness of you know the fact that we live in snow for six months uh that just oof, it gets a little drawn out I think the, there's an incredibly, you know, 
wonderful fact that this is a really well written book like this is this is in terms of quality and all that 100% and I agree with you that it is a bit I wonder if you know if you will feel like I mean I can only imagine that if you are the person being represented in this like the escapism comes too far a little bit like in like the really like the awareness uh, uh that, that this is actual magical realism it comes in a little bit late for me uh for for strictly ya uh because you're really getting hooked in the book i don't want to call it trauma porn but it's it's a bit of a, a representation of a harsh life um and it's it's very well done there's there's little bits of of humor but it's uh that humor that people who have suffered a lot understand i find like it wasn't overt humor it really is like it's it's humor out of shitty circumstances um but i love yeah, I still love it. I still think there's something real. Like, I can't wait to read the second book. I'm, I, I think this book has made me way more curious about the realities uh, of Indigenous communities out West and and all that. Like, I'm 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 very I'm much more curious from mm-hmm. this. Um, but I don't necessarily feel like it's like the rah rasis bam boom. Like, I just want to read it and like, I'm going to read it every year. I won't. It's a bit, it's a bit sad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up pacing because what I found as I was reading it is that I was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the magical part to kick in. And like the book is called Son of a Trickster. And at the beginning, there's kind of a hint at it with his grandma because just all of the adults in this book are just terrible to this poor child. (laughs) Like none, none of the none of the adults, none of them, even the ones who are positive forces in his life, none of these adults are treating this child the way he should be treated. That is something that happens, unfortunately. I'm not saying that it's unrealistic, but holy shit, it's hard to read that. It's really hard. Yeah, it's depressing. Yeah, it's really. There's something, and we've we've spoken about this a lot, and I think that we'll keep talking about this that there is something about irresponsible adults that is so painful. I, I think like the older I get, the harder it gets, obviously, because I, 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 I'm able to put a bit of distance and, and, and relate to both characters. But man, Jared has nothing. He's got nothing, like nothing, no perspectives, no future, no, no, no. Like he's, he's wonderfully kind. Yeah. And he makes great edibles. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my mind, that should have been the recipe for like the most exciting entrepreneurship story of my life. But the reality is that that you know the truth that this 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 novel brings is that you know sometimes you're in it, and systemic oppression is real, and you don't get to dream quite the same way that everyone else does mm-hmm. uh, when you are the oppressed of the oppressed of the oppressed of the oppressed, which let's let's remind everyone indigenous people are. Mm-hmm. I am wishing that I had done my research and realized that the second book was already out because the thing that turned me around on this book is that even though it's it's desperately sad and sometimes very difficult to read, 
the end has hope. And what I really like about it is that the hope that Jared finds, this kid who has been just neglected by everybody in his life who should be looking out for him, um, he finds himself. And, and I like that he just gets to a point where he says, no, I don't want to do this anymore. This is no fun for me. I want to live a different way. And, you know, I'm not necessarily going to listen to the way my parents or grandparents dealt with this. I'm going to deal with it my own way. And I'm hopeful that the second book will be more of more hopeful like that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. But that kind of ties in to another thing which really struck me all through this book is that it is a book about generational trauma in a very big mm. way. And we hear about the residential schools. You know, Jared's mom says that her mom is as unkind as she is because the residential schools fucked her up. And we have that from the very beginning of the books. Um, and then we learn more of it later. We have, it almost feels like the the myth of the trickster and the way people are dealing with it is related to generational trauma and it's and it's the way this family is interacting with generational trauma and I think that's that's very well done and I like that it's brought up especially if this is a a book with a sequel I like that it's brought up and established in the first one because it's very real and a lot of the times when you have kids who are being grossly neglected by the adults in their life it's because those adults in turn were grossly neglected by the adults in their life and back and back and back and I really appreciated that um that that lineage was clearly drawn I am 100% there with you I think that because the book ends on such a such a hopeful and interesting like really engaging uh note you know, it does, it definitely brings this redeeming aspect. And I think, you know, Tefra, we may have to review the second book um, because I kind of want to know what happens. But yeah, and, and the component of intergenerational trauma I find is really very important. We, we talk about it often when we see books about folks of the Jewish faith or, uh, you know, Black people and this idea that you know, those who have been through are not fully able to love or to open or to care and nurture. And that does actually live in a in reality. I mean, intergenerational trauma, there's a wonderful, for, for the science nerds out there, um, there's a researcher named Rachel Yehuda who uh, did a whole research, a longitudinal research project about um, the children of Holocaust victims. And, you know, it, it literally, I guess the best way to say it is that trauma changes our DNA. And when people procreate, um, their DNA gets passed down. And, um, you know, when we talk about intergenerational trauma, what fascinates me and excites me professionally and personally is the idea of intergenerational he healing. And I have a feeling, considering the, the, the tone of the book, there's, I have so much hope not to resolve everything, because it would be completely ridiculous for a splendiferous author to <laughs> write like this book that's anchored in like reality, uh, you know, magical realism realism um you know there's something really fun about you know seeing about thinking 
ahead and going like, where is this going to go? And how is he going to be like, is he, is the son of a trickster, like my Black Panther? Like I, this is what I, I'm half hoping for. Like not half, most of me is hoping for really. It's, it's, there's this side that can be really fun and engaging and exciting. And, and that I think will be hyper relatable to a large number of folks. Um, because there is, you know, it is important that there, there, this representation of like by and for, you know, like by indigenous authors for indigenous people, and like we get to enjoy and reap the rewards of of these things coming about. But but I want to see what's happening within that community and and how that's going to impact everything else that happens mm. afterwards. Right? Uh, literature is obviously very powerful. So. So yeah, there is something, there is something exciting. And I wonder about the healing, right? Because he is not just the son of a trickster. Um, you know, we, 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 we understand very quickly that he is the son of a trickster and son of a witch. Um, and I thought about you because <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, more witches. Yay. <laughs> Halloween's not fully over yet. Um, <laughs> But there's something interesting there and in seeing, you know, the, the I'm guessing the crystallization of power and 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 sort of an inevitable dark night of the soul also for for Jared is, is what might have to come next. I'm speculating. I could Google this, but I don't want to because uh, I want to be surprised when I read it. Well, yeah, one of the things that I appreciated a lot um, is that it seems as though the healing journey that Jared is on is also touching his mother. And I think there's really something to be said for if the trauma of your ancestors is released at any point in the family line, it affects everybody. It's not like it's like a thread that you cut. It's it's something you can vent. And like, I love this idea that children who manage to release some of that trauma are also helping their ancestors because I, I really felt that that we could see that happening and some of that hurt just kind of flowing out completely and being released. I want to talk about mental health. Yeah. Because I think that Jared is interesting because Jared's a he's such a kind soul. He's he's he really is like, yeah, Jared is our typical hero. He's 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 good guy, nice guy. Yeah, gets a little high, drinks a lot, but he's also a teenager. So there's a part of me that believes that, yes, there's intergenerational trauma, but there's also adolescence and incredible liver powers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he discovers this magical aspect of himself through visions and, and, and you know, hearing voices and, and all of that. And there's all this stuff happening in his head. And, you know, the, the indigenous communities of, of Canada are facing massive mental health issues. Um, you know, suicide rates are very high um, and it's very, very sad, uh, especially because there's a lot of governmental inaction. Oh, I'm feeling very political today. <sighs> Sorry. Don't 
don't apologize. Nothing to apologize for. Go there. And there is something interesting because in the beginning of the story, to be honest, yeah, there was a part of me like Jared wonders, and I, as an as a reader, also was like, maybe this is like a slow descent into like madness. And then to have it kind of turn around was really interesting. Um, but it also would have been so justified if it had simply been, uh, you know, falling into the pit of despair um, and, and not being able to get out of it. It would have been completely justified. So I found that that was a really interesting way. It was a nice manipulation by, by the author. Like, I think it, it really got me. You know, it might have it might have gone on just a, a, a skosh too long, just a skosh. I wanted I wanted like I wanted otters earlier. You know, so yeah, I will say the first two thirds of this book, there is no magic, and then the last third, everything really picks up in a in a wild and wonderful way. But you know, as we're talking about that. I'm honestly not sure if that's true. And I wonder if if I go back and read it, there will be all these breadcrumbs through the story. And I think so, because Eden Robinson is a, a, a writer of epic proportions. She's extremely talented. And you can feel the the intentionality that she puts in her story. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much of it. So something I love in this in this book also in this project we've been doing and i've also just been like personally making an effort to read more indigenous content and so like okay i talked about tiktok last week so i'm not going to talk about tiktok a lot but there's a lot of like young indigenous people on tiktok teaching about stuff and like demonstrating traditional singing and dancing and it's so cool and it's so this is what's so exciting for me is like as a kid who loves mythology, loves folklore, grew up reading everything I could get my hands on, but all I could get my hands on was Greek, Roman, Egyptian, and Norse, and nothing else. Occasionally some Celtic, but not a lot of Celtic. And it is so exciting, it's been so exciting to see all these new worlds of mythology opening up, but I think this is especially exciting for me because it's the mythology of where I grew up. I mean, not specifically, because this is Vancouver Island, so, you know, totally different nation. But, like, getting to know the mythology that is of this place is so exciting. Um, And I think it's really, really, really cool. I'm I'm just amped. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And there's something really, there's something really fun in the fact that, like, Okay, when you go to school in Canada, you learn, well, in Quebec, uh, you learn not enough about Indigenous cultures, Um, even the ones that are, you know, uh, on the ones we are on, like in terms of Quebec's immediately local. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it is really interesting to read about, um, you know, Western communities because it's so different. You know, it's like, it's such a different culture and, you know, from everything that, you know, I've, I've learned about, about uh, particularly uh, the Mohawk and Cree communities uh, of Quebec, you know, it's not the same mythology and that's exciting. I just want to learn so much more um, and it's fun. And I am hoping that there are ways to, 
you know, like to, I'm a big fan of giving children books. I think it's crucial. I think they don't need anything else. TBH, they need like cardboard boxes and books, but yeah, like I, I'm now actively looking for children's books that have indigenous folklore to give to my, you know, half African nieces because it's so great and the lessons are the same lessons that you get from european mythology from african mythology from from asian mythology like you name it the 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 messages tend to be clear don't be a jerk um own your stuff and like be nice basically like don't lie like you know or if you like the presence of spirits is here to teach you a lesson and inevitably so So there's something really fascinating and it's it's really kind of breathing another, uh, yeah, I'm just feeling like really interested and intrigued and I want to hear more stories. If you find those books, please let me know because I also want to find them for my children. I have a mythology obsessed, almost seven-year-old <laughs> who actually has a birthday in six weeks. So let me know if you find out in six weeks. <laughs> we'll do, we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> Yeah, so it's cool and it's it's exciting, and um, I'm I'm so excited about the Son of a Trickster series. I actually heard about it before it was released, like when it was still in production, from somebody who works for CBC, so who knew about it, and I was like, "That's exciting." we're going to read the book and talk about it on the podcast. And I'm like, maybe I need to also watch the show and talk about it on the podcast. Cause like, Oh no, it's we available for free. <laughs> it's available for free on CBC gem. So Canadians, if you don't know about this actually, cause I just feel like I have to spread this far and wide. I think I say this occasionally on the show. Anyway, CBC gem has a fantastic spanking free streaming service with loads of very good content including lots of content by non-white people like it's a it's a really good lineup in terms of not just being boring it also boring (laughs) by boring I meant only white stories uh but it was a little slip of the tongue there are lots of interests I I watch a lot of white tv anyway <laughs> anyway, CBC Gem, it's great. It's also, you can watch all of the Great British Baking Show for free, guys. Everybody's always like, where do I watch this in Canada? You watch it on CBC Gem. It's free. That's actually how I found CBC Gem in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it's great. And that's where Son of a Trickster is hosted. So, it is free. You can start watching it tonight. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great idea, actually. Can, uh, can we talk about adolescence, though? Because I think uh, I think it's important for us to mention um, to anyone who is going to read this book. This book is written from the perspective of a teenager who is annoying. Because oh my god, we get into that teenage brain space, and I I love it, but it's annoying because like I just there were moments where I was just I was reading it I was reading it on my laptop, and I was like I'd get upset. I'd just be like I'm just gonna close my laptop and then like reopen it ten minutes later and be like fine. Where are we going now? Like the writing is spectacular. It's just so good. Oh, to capture the the spleen of the, you know, of of the sixteen year old, there is like, listen, everyone knows I love Twilight because Bella has feels and so many of them. 
Jared has feels. He has feels and he is numbing them and he like, but like they are named and it is intense. You've got to arm yourself with a bit of intestinal fortitude to with like to, I find to withstand sort of the, the, the angst. Um, yeah, this like, it definitely like, it smells like Axe body spray and like sweat this book to me. Isn't there even a point? smoke. Isn't there even a point where his, like, one of the crows that talks to him is like, you wear too much axe. Stop wearing so much axe. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Especially also this is, it is, um, it's based at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, which isn't, I was not a teenager in 2012 and 2013, but I had very recently been a teenager in 2012 and 2013. So a lot of the little cultural markers did actually take me back. <laughs> um, and I liked that. That was fun. I, the nice. other aspect of the adolescence of this book that I want to talk about is sex. Because I think sex is written about really well in this book. Like for a book that's, that's wildly disheartening at, at many points... Sex is kind of a bright point. And like, yeah. everybody talks about it without any shame. Like, his mom talks about it without any shame. You know, more than she should in front of her son. But still, like, there's an attitude of sex is normal and healthy and just use protection. And like, she's very open about the fact that she didn't intend to have a baby, even though she loves him and doesn't regret it. And he has a couple of sexual encounters in the book including like one relationship and it's just the sex is well written it's mm -hmm. uh, it's used as a backdrop for other things that happen which for me like a really good sex scene is going to drive the plot forward as well and they always do you can't stay indifferent sex doesn't sex doesn't lead to indifference for anyone mm -hmm. you know like it's it's and if it does, that indifference is like something to observe. And it doesn't mean that, you know, sex is earth shattering and life changing and this and that, but but it can be, Yeah, you know, uh, it can be. And it's nice to see, yeah, it's nice to see sex positive literature, especially coming out of Canada where like yeah. we are known, like there's a documentary about Canadian film called Weird Sex and Snowshoes. Like, we like our sex weird. Um, we're strange little creatures. Yeah, I think it's because, you know, we're so we're so tucked away underneath like a bunch of jackets and sweaters well, and long snows for six and months. Like you said, what else are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Think up weird snowshoe sex. Yep. Well, and there's also, I mean, it, it feels very, the openness around sex, the joy around sex is something that is present in Indigenous folklore and indigenous mythology shame around sex really came with colonization so it wouldn't make sense to have sex written about in a sort of classically european way uh in this book that is so proudly and thoroughly rooted in indigenous culture it wouldn't make mm. sense and that's really lovely and uh, like having Kind of following from that, the other thing I really love is that we see Native youth talking with their parents and kind of we see the generational differences and how things are handled and we see Jared's friends going to the Idol No More 
protests and being like you're super lame for not going to these protests and we see Sarah telling her grandma to decolonize herself and like it's fun to see that generational play and that it's not just rooted in the generational trauma of the residential schools it's also very openly acknowledging the way families are talking about it and youth are grappling with it it's not sort of a passive suffering that is, I think, what saves this sort of classically bleak can lit book from being trauma porn. Because it's not. It's just honestly written. And that is a sign of Robinson's skill as an author, on one hand. <laughs> um, mm. But also just, it, it's it's what makes it special, frankly, to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's, folks, just take it from us. You know, it's a good book check it out it's not an easy read uh, i have i have to i think it's important to 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 name it mm-hmm. it's not an easy read maybe this is more of an emerging adult kind of novel uh or very mature teenager um because there are some conversations that can emerge from this book that are going to be tough and uh complex and uh probably really delicious for some but really uncomfortable for others um so yeah son of a trickster by eden robinson it's real good Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast, and individually, I'm at catty double underscore d. And I'm at Tepper Bear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. We have a goal of hitting, let me do math in my head, 16 followers by the end of 2020. If we hit 16 followers by the end of 2020, we will do a special series where we just talk about shit nerdily instead of about books. Uh, And we are at nine now. Um, You can sign up at any level to make us do that starting at $1 a month. So head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Emmett Cameron, Catherine Reshi, Erica Stitchberry, Lizzie Tenhove, Kat McGuire, Chantal Thomas, Matt Dever, Emily Patton, Megan Jane. You're great. You keep us we going. We love you. We love you. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode and to get some and then maybe get some because you're wearing some great merch uh, from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also always support us for free. Honestly, the free support is the stuff that gets us the most reach by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Honestly, if you listen to this show regularly and you haven't rated it yet on the podcatcher that you listen it to, just stop right now. Go do that. It's going to take two minutes. It does a lot for us. Um, You can also subscribe on Spotify. And you can share this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who's looking for more Indigenous lit to read or really likes mythology or, Mm -hmm. you know, just wants a good book. really likes mythology. That's good. Mm -hmm. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tevra Jenian, and edited by Tom Zalat and I as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network, and we have some new shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com.
Bye-bye. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. Dungeons. Dragons. Canada. The Multiverse Theory. Corgis. Queer Representation. Reconciliation. Angels. Demons. Squirrels. Moose. Moose and squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs. Barbarians. Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers. Lavender. Natural Toonie. A Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Right here on the Upford Network. (laughs) Ah, 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 ah.